You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. To me, I always just looked at my voice as the instrument, and that's what I'd rather focus on. You know, I, I'd rather, I don't really have, I have my opinions about things in the world and whatnot, but as with Cannibal Corpse, I don't want to sing about politics. I don't want to sing about religion. You're never going to know. Someone's going to take a side, even if they're the biggest fan of yours for the last, for the last 27 years I've you know, been in Cannibal Corpse. If you say something against what they think, just people just in this day and age, it seems like people just want to take a side. So it's just not worth touching any of those subjects. I would just write about fantasy stuff and, and you know, like, you know, pummeling people and shit like that, you know, shoving somebody into an acid vat, you know. Good stuff like that, you know? Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you've had a glorious week so far. I most certainly have. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I am super stoked to have teamed up with them to bring you Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal 2022. This year's event features Deicide performing their classic album Legion in its entirety alongside Cataclysm, who will also be performing a classic album, but they will be performing Serenity and Fire, and In Human Condition will also be performing. This killer metal and craft beer festival is one of a kind here in Montreal, and it is happening on September 2nd at Corona Theater, and the tickets are now on sale via the link in the description of this podcast. Trust me, you're going to want to come and hang out with me and enjoy life, metal, and craft beer at Brutal Montreal 2022. Grab your tickets. It's going to sell out. You're going to want to be there. Don't miss your chance. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm asking you to rate it and write a review about the podcast. Now, why do I want you to do this? Well, you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what they do, they scroll down, they check out those reviews, they check out the rating. And if those ratings and reviews are favorable, they will most probably give that podcast a chance. So by you taking a few minutes to write a review about the podcast, you might actually be the person that sways someone's decision to become a brand new Vox and Hobbs head. And that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to have George Corpse Grinder Fisher of Cannibal Corpse back on the podcast. That's right. This is Vox and Hops episode number 336. I warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up everyone? Today I'm back with George Corpse Grinder Fisher of Cannibal Corpse. Uh, George, how you doing? It's great to have you back on Vox and Hops. How's it going? Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure, and it is uh, truly an honor. I have to tell you, you were top three episode downloaded in 2021, so uh, hopefully this episode we, we get you in the top two. Top spot, let's see how it goes. Uh, I started last one with asking you how you coped with 2020. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, Cannibal Corpse was already not going to be touring. You guys were in a writing uh, process throughout that year, so you guys didn't miss anything. But 2021 was a different year. You guys released a monster album, 
And you guys really didn't get to do that much either. So, so talk to me about how you coped with uh, the never-ending period of our life. How did you cope with 2021 and hopefully not 2022 coming up? Uh, I just sat around. <laughs> no, I, well, you know, I had some things going on with, of course, this solo record and, uh, you know, just family. Just enjoying the time with family. And uh, then, you know, the holidays, I, I decorate the house and outside the house. Amazing. So, you know, um, I... Can I, can I can I ask you to stop right there? When do you start decorating the house? At what point is it ac- acceptable for you to start decorating your house for the holidays? Come on, here's the thing. Uh, in September, I decorated for Halloween mm-hmm. because okay. I figure, look, I, I uh, when I grew up, November first is when we put up our tree, okay. and we start putting up the outside lights. And and if there were any decorations in the house inside the house, it would be on November first. And I started thinking to myself, well, I love Halloween too. Why am I not giving? Uh, Halloween as much love as Christmas. So I, I decided on September 1st, I'm going to bring out all the Halloween stuff and put that up. Cause I, we have a, we have an actual Halloween tree that has these spiders you can put on it. And if you plug it, 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 it fades in from purple to orange. And it also, if you plug in this other accessory on it, um, it, it moves like it's up shaking in the wind, like it's some evil Halloween tree. Amazing. So, and we have some other stuff around. If it, I still have the inside Christmas decorations up. And I mean, if I turned my computer around, you'd see it all. Um, so I decided I was going to do the same thing for Halloween. So September 1st, I put up most of the Halloween stuff. And throughout the the months, you know, that month and October before Halloween actually hit, I added a few things here and there. And then November 1st, Halloween was over. I pulled all that stuff down and then I started putting up, pulled out all the Christmas stuff and I started decorating that. And some of it is still up just because I've been doing interviews. And then this weekend was playoff football. And I was like, I'm watching football. I'm not doing anything else. So I finally took out most, took down most of the outside lights uh, around the house. And then probably tomorrow and Friday, I'll, I'll get all the inside stuff and then it'll just be a plain old normal looking house with no <laughs> beautiful Christmas lights. And it's sad. I, I do have to say, I love sitting. I love sitting on my couch and sipping on a beer late at night and looking at Christmas lights. There's just nothing yeah, better than that. Listen, I'm telling you right now, like I have a tree, I have a tree over here. I have a smaller tree over here. That's on my mini fridge. That, you know, has the beer and stuff. I have this snowman right here that you can't see. I could probably turn. This. I you love can it. See him. There it is. It's big. He, 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 yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like six foot. He lights up. He's made for outdoors, but I already had so much stuff outdoors. that I said, screw it. I'm going to leave him in here. There's another small tree. I have, a, I have, I have table runners for a table in front of my TV. They have the Santa belt buckle on either end. I have like three pillows, like three Christmas pillows. I have the whole house uh, is insanely decorated. I had Frank Godla came here um, and I did a, a thing with him, um, you know, for mental injection. And uh, he was like, dude, this is the most decorated house inside that I've ever seen. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, I, I, I go all out. So I, it is, I, I would sit here in, in, in this room. There's a couch in front of me here. There's a TV right here. And I would just, you know, turn on the PlayStation 4. And I found this one uh, 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 YouTube um, mix of songs that was like had all the old classic songs you see in all the movies. And I would just play that and just have the, and have all the lights off in the house. I have, light, I have, I have stuff lit up over top of our counters and stuff in our kitchen. So the whole mood is entire, inside the entire house. And uh, just sit there and listen to Christmas songs and, you know, have some beers. Magical. 
magical. It's great. It's great. You know, one of those blessings, those little silver linings of not being on tour yeah. all the time. Yeah, 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 sure. Like I said, yeah, the, the, the months before that, you know, um, you know, just doing shit, you know, the, 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 you know, all the other stuff, just, you know, just enjoying just being, you know, being home. Um, yeah, and we probably would have been touring like last year, but, uh, you know, I, we, well, we did, we did, uh, the Vegas fest, you know, so that was cool. That was, that broke up, you know, the monotony of just being around. And, you know, I actually did, um, four days after my birthday, I, I just, uh, I, my wife had started doing uh, weight watchers. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it too. And so far, you know, i I probably gained another back another five or ten five or ten pounds from the holidays, you know. Because mm-hmm. while you're sitting there eating the, uh, <laughs> uh, drinking those beers, you're also eating a couple of holiday candies and stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah, a couple, a couple more pounds went back on. But at one point, I was from from four days after my birthday, I was I was down forty seven pounds. Wow! Congrats. Yeah, forty seven. Yeah, so that's another thing I did in, in the off time. You know, I just decided to dedicate to Weight Watchers. Um, it worked for me. It worked for my my daughter. My wife were doing it as well. My my oldest daughter. Um, so I'm still doing it now, and I'm hoping that before we get on this next tour, I can drop a few more pounds because I know that when we did Vegas, I was probably in the had lost about 25 pounds, and I could tell on stage, even though we hadn't played in a while, we hadn't played a show in over a year. I could still tell that I'd lost weight. I felt better. I just, I felt stronger and, um, you know, so we're starting this tour in, in February. Um, and, uh, I, am hoping I can drop another 15 and be past the 47 that, you know, cause I'm, I'm probably down about 35 pounds now, which is still a lot. I mean, when I, but when I did this diet, I was 209 pounds, uh, 309 pounds. Oh, okay. pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I hope I can get down because I just I, I know how much better it made me feel like as far as being on stage and I, I want to be you know at my best. I'm not getting any younger, so you got to take care of yourself. And uh, I really feel that, that this that it helped me. Um, so yeah, you know, did that. We did the Vegas show. You know, um, now going to release this record, but you know, um, doing all the stuff, you know, and the Christmas stuff and the stuff leading up to this record was what I did you know last year. So hopefully this year it's more about back to normalcy and touring and whatnot. <laughs> some music in our lives, some 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 yeah, traveling yeah, sure, yeah. and you know staying up too late and having a bit too much fun sometimes. Which uh, I'd love to hear about your very very first beer. But before we do that, I'd like to ask you what you're drinking. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What are you going to be drinking on your side today that we'll be sharing virtually? Oh, like I told you before, I'm not going to lie. Just drinking some water out of a Denver Broncos Tervis cup. But I do have this here just for the free plug. I appreciate it. An angry chair brewing, cannibal corpse, follow the blood. It's an Irish dry stout. And we released that last year. I'm going the wrong way on the camera. The artwork by Vincent Locke, which I'm covering up my dumb hands. But uh, (laughs) I was going to have this. I was going to make it cold, but I'm not really a big stout guy, so... Anyway, there it is. Go check it out. Our Angry Chair Brewing. Super sick. Super sick. I remember when that came out and I was like, damn, that looks sick. I am a stout guy, so I'm going to be drinking How About Some Coffee, which is a coffee stout, uh, which is one of the brand new Vox and Hops collabs that dropped with Meet Me for Coffee via Folly Brewing in Toronto. Uh, I'm going to crack this, and while I crack this, I'd love to hear 
about your very first beer. Do you remember the first beer that you drank, George? Um, probably just a Budweiser, you know, <laughs> yeah, just a, just a plain old Budweiser. We probably got it. We probably got someone to buy it for us when we were, you know, underage and went in the woods and listened to some metal, you know, uh, boombox. If I remember correctly, or we were just hanging at a friend's house and maybe their, their father was cool and, and bought us it. But I'm pretty certain it was probably Budweiser for sure. I mean, I, I, well, I, that didn't make sense. I'm pretty certain it was Budweiser for sure. I'm just going <laughs> to say Budweiser because, you know, I, I, that's one of my oldest memories of drinking beer was was with my friend Mike and Charlie and and. And I'm almost 100% certain it was a Budweiser. You, you are more typical going towards the commercial beers. You never you have a bunch of collabs, such as that Angry Chair. Three Floyds have, has made you guys a killer beer as well. But you're not really into craft beer the way that I am, right? You're, you're more of a... Yeah, I mean, I'll drink one every once in a while. But it's uh, but more or less, uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm normally just a Miller Lite guy. I mean, of course, if we tour in Europe, they never have the Miller Lite. So I'll drink whatever's, you know pollinators other things like that you know like because there's tons especially like germany and stuff there's just like beers all kind of great beers and it's funny too because usually when we tour in europe and we you know they give us whatever beer and of course we're like oh okay there's some beers we remember and some beers we don't and you know we have guests in the backstage i'll be like this is a shit beer from yep. this from this brewery and i'm just like well dude you know it's not you know like we don't know it's exotic beer, it's you know? exotic just, to uh, us <laughs> I'm not, I'm just not a guy who just sits around. If I want, if I'm going to drink beer, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to have some beers and get a little buzz kicking. Like I said before, just watching the Christmas lights and listening to the music. And I mean, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just not like a one beer guy. I'm not, if I'm going to drink, I'm, I'm drinking eight or so more lights and some shots of whiskey. You know what I mean, that's what's <laughs> going to happen. I'm just, I'm not going to just, you know, have one and you know, that'd be that. So cheers know, to cheers. that. <laughs> cheers. But, um, so it is funny though when they just like, oh, you have shit beer for your for your backstage. I'm like, dude, well, you could have brought me some if you if you wanted me to, you know. Like a friend of mine, the drummer of Voodoo Gods, who I've you know, yep. done two records with, yep, Alex, yep. Alex Voodoo. His beer is Bitburger. He loves Bitburger. Mm-hmm. That's that's every time I'm over there recording Voodoo Gods, he has like 10 million cases of Bitburger. And I'm literally, I could show you, there's a picture that I have. I never, I never put it online, but uh, we stayed at this um, cottage uh, area, this like a, like a Airbnb kind of place. And um, he opened the closet and literally it was like, Just I mean, it was like 15 or 20 cases of paper. <laughs> and he's like, we're stocked up for this recording. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Last time I had you on, you were actually taking a break from alcohol, which uh, ended up being yeah. good because I was—I released—I was recording the episode during my sober February. Uh, talk to me about that. You took a break. You—you you went a bit crazy, a bit too much throughout the early parts of the pandemic with the holidays you had mentioned, and uh, exactly that. You never just have one or two; it's always eight or nine whiskey shots, and then you're the last guy to go to sleep on the tour bus, is what you had mentioned to me. So, uh, how gradually did you take get back into? enjoying beers again and how have you tackled that balance that we spoke about well i, I just you know i went i went over to my friend's house got some <laughs> beer got some whiskey just said let's go you know yes or maybe a friend of mine wanted to come over here i, I, I don't know um uh, that's pretty much just how i just said you know whatever and then and then you know of course when i was doing the weight watchers i was just going and like okay just on the weekends i'm just gonna have some beers have some shots and you track all your food. Yeah. So, you know, it costs points, yep. bonus points. I would just save up. And every day that you don't spend all your points, you get rollover points and they would accumulate. 
And that's what I would say. Okay, if I'm going to drink this week, this weekend, I'm going to spend these bonus points. And that's pretty much what I've been I, I've been trying to do now. The holidays were a little bit crazier, not crazy, but you know, I I, I was drinking a little bit more than, than than I normally would. But like you know, I just I try to just limit it to the weekend. You know, just that way. You know, because like I said, I'm just not going to sit around and just have one beer. You know, and so what's the point if I if I want to have some beers and get a little rowdy on a tour bus and listen to some music, you know, and then uh, it's better to just do it once a week. Now, I don't know how it's going to work when I go back on tour because it's on tour, you know, and you're, you know, um, but, but either way, I, I did feel better. I could tell you that much. I felt better. I was just getting into a, and just, just a monotonous, just cycle of not even thinking about it, go to the fridge over here, crack a beer. And next, you know, I'm 10 beers in, you know, five shots in and I'm like, you know, and then I get into the mood where I don't feel like going to sleep and I'll, I'll stay up later than I should. And then that, that's just the one thing. If I could cut that out of what I'm my regiment, if you will, uh, it would be the staying up later than I should. You know, it's like there's a time where there are times where I'm sitting there and I crack a beer and I'm drinking. And I'm like, I'm like trying to force myself to stay up just to finish the beer. And it's like, no, just dump the damn thing and go to bed because you're tired and you're just fighting it. You're waiting for a second wind and it's four in the morning. What our, our guitar tech babyface says, there's nothing good happens at <laughs> no. four in the morning. <laughs> you're not going to miss bed, anything. George. You're not going to miss anything. You're the last one away. He's like, George, how many times have I told you after four in the morning, go to bed already. And I'll be like, ah, whatever, you know, I'm not listening to you. And he's right. <laughs> Take me to your very first show. Do you remember the first show that you went to go see? First live music experience. Went to go see? Probably, oh man, there were a bunch of shows that we were supposed to go, my friends and I, and it just didn't work out. You know, like we didn't have money. We didn't have a ride. Parents wouldn't let us go when we were younger. So probably not until it was, it was pretty much, it was later. I know a lot of people went to all these shows and I'm like, you bastards, you know? Uh, I remember probably one of the first ones was Ozzy Osbourne and Metallica. Wow. Uh, for Master, Master of Puppets and Ultimate Sin. Cute. You know, Cliff Burton was, was still alive. You know, he played the show. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Like we, we were able to go. We went with my friend George and and uh, his sister and her her boyfriend and my other friend Jeff. And that was one of the first shows I remember going to. Um, it could have there might be one before that that I'm just for whatever stupid reason forgetting. That's one of the first ones, and it was amazing. I mean, you know, Ozzy was was great. You know, Ultimate Sin is is underrated. I think it's a great album. And of course, Metallica was on Master of Puppets, and that's like their best album. So. Do you remember just being there and, and when you were there, do you have the vibe in your mind that you knew that you would eventually be doing this in your life? Um, at that time, I don't know if I was thinking this is what I really wanted to do, but I was full on just 100% metal. And I would be in my room singing, trying to be like Ozzy or, or, or you know, of course, at that time, you know, there was still there was all the other like thrash bands and, you know, Possessed and Slayer and Celtic Frost and whatnot. So we were listening to all that stuff. And I remember Metallica, I, I wanted to hate them so much because I, look, I wouldn't be here without Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne. So at that point in time, Ozzy was like, you know, like finally getting to see him was everything. Even though I was at that point starting to get into the more heavy stuff and we all had Master Puppets and yeah, of course we were like, fuck yeah, Metallica, Ozzy's a great tour. This is amazing. But all my friends were like, oh, but Ozzy's old. Metallica's going to crush him. And I was like, fuck you guys, man. <laughs> you guys are dicks, you know? I was pissed. They were just, just they were just trying to get under my skin. And that's easy to do sometimes, especially back when I was younger. So I remember when Metallica came on, and I just wanted to hate him so bad. 
even though I already had their records and I already liked them. I had Kill 'em All. You know, we had we had Master of Puppets, of course. It was the album they were touring for and Ride the Lightning. And but I just wanted to hate them just because my friends had drove me like so crazy just saying how they were going to crush Ozzy. <laughs> and I remember the only thing I could say, and this is very ironic, this is ridiculously ironic coming from me. The only thing I could say to my friends when, the next day when we were all got together, because like I said, my friend Jeff and George, we were sitting with his sister and her boyfriend and the other guys were in different parts of the arena, you know? So we got together the next day. Everyone's like, oh man, this and that. And you're like, see, we told you, Metallica to kill Ozzy. I was like, fuck you guys, you know? <laughs> I was just still cussing at him. And I was like, all Metallica did was was bang their head and whatever. And it's like, well, go figure. I must have learned something because what's my whole shtick? I bang my head and scream at people, you know. But it was the only thing I could come up with, even though I thought, of course, they were great. I just wouldn't want to admit it because I was just so mad that my friends were just just pissing me off, you know. It's, and, and I'm like, you guys, like they like Ozzy, too. They just knew how much I loved. And they were just trying to get under my skin, which they successfully did because <laughs> I thought when Metallica, I was ever headbanging. I was like, yeah, man, you know, like that was amazing. I was like, fuck yeah, dude, that's the way to do it, you know? And, you know, and then I, that was my only attack back against them. And then, of course, what did I do? I basically headbanged my whole career. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Take me to your first time on stage. Do you remember your very, very first show? Oh yeah, it wasn't even a stage. There wasn't. There wasn't a stage. I, I don't even know the name. Yeah, I don't even know the name of this place we played. Um, geez, uh, I'm gonna say 1989, and we played with this band called Ex Mortis from Maryland um, and Deceased, who most I think a bunch of people would know. Um, that was the first show I ever played. My my band was called Corpse Grinder. Um, and it was Corpse Grinder, Ex Mortis, and Deceased. Uh, there was probably 15 people there, 20 maximum. And I just remember before the show, the days before, I lost my voice. Of course. I was just so petrified. Yep. I was nervous about the show. I, I mean, and there was no stage. It wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. It was like some bar. They didn't even have a damn stage. I mean, it was crazy. Um, luckily, there was nobody slamming, so nobody was banging into me. But uh, you know, we played the show, and my voice was fine. It just... it. It just, my, my friends like, oh, suck a lemon, strategic, this, blah, blah. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'd barely been singing in a band for a year at that point. I'd been singing in my room for five years by then, but this was the first time I was going to play in front of people. And I just remember the day before I was, uh, you know, we went to practice. I couldn't talk. I could sing. And so I just, I got on the stage and I remember I told myself, I'm never going to feel this way again. I'm never going to be. Um, so nervous because it's just, it's no different, but there's people looking at you. And I used to, when I was in my room, singing the songs of the bands I loved, I used to take the records and any record that had the, the picture of the, of the bands, I put it in front of me. And that was my crowd. And I was like, if you can play with Tom Mariah, even though he's not really looking at me, it's just the cover. It's just the back cover of, of, of the record um, or the insert. If you can play with him watching you and, and Tom G. Warrior, Jet Becerra, if you can, if they can be watching you. What does it matter with all these people? I just swore to myself I was never going to be nervous for another show again. Or not like that nervous that I psyched myself out and lost my voice. And I didn't. You know, I just was like, you know what? From then on, I always thought, you know, if you don't, if you don't think you belong on stage, you don't. You know? And if, and, and if you don't, but you want to be, then you have to find the confidence in yourself to know that what you're doing is good and um, and and definitely block out any critics 
you know, that aren't constructive because there are, you know, because there's some things you can always improve on, you know, over the years, there's been times where I didn't talk as much on stage, even in Cannibal Corpse, where I barely said anything and it just, there was dead space. And sometimes I can still be accused of that. Um, and if those guys come to me, sometimes you can take it the wrong way and just think they're just attacking you. And it's like, no, it's just constructive criticism. Hey, man, we think you could probably just you know, fire the crowd up a little bit more or say this or announce the record or this or that. And you gotta, you gotta take that and go, okay, they're, they're not trying to be assholes to me. They're just trying to make the show better. They're trying to help me, you know? So I just said to myself, I'm never going to worry about like, you know, cause if someone, if out of those 15 people, if someone has said, you suck. You know, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Am I going to just drop the mic and go over and start you know, busting somebody's skull in? No, you can't do that. You know, if you don't like what I do, that's that's fine. That's your opinion. But what would I have done then? I was already so nervous. And then if someone would have, you know, given it to me right then, what, what would I have done? I, I probably once I got on stage and once we got past the first song, I just settled down and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what we do at practice, except yeah. we we're actually headbanging. I mean, when I was at Corpse Glider, we would come to practice and we'd all be like, hey, what do you got? And somebody would have a case of this beer, somebody would have a 12 pack or six pack of this. Oh, I got some vodka. You know, we would just, we would just <laughs> practice and, and, and drink. And when we played the shows, man, we would just be like, hey, what are we drinking before the show? You know, we didn't, we, we took it serious, but I don't, I don't know if, if everyone was in the band was thinking about, going on and making this their life. Once we started that band, once we did that show, once just anybody uh, had a review of our demo in, in a magazine, once I got a monstrosity and we did the demo, what, that is when just, like I already wanted to be in a band before I got, when I first got in that band, Coltsguard, I remember we went we went to some party at, at some hotel or something. And, and um, you know, we, we met, Chris Anderson, it's my friend Jeff Noor. He was the original guitar player of of We met this guy, Chris Anderson, and this guy, Mark Gantz. And those guys were at all the shows. We always seen them, but we never really talked to them. And and we we Mark Gantz lived on the same street as my 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 now wife, you know. He lived on the same street as she did. And I never saw him. I'd be I'd be around that neighborhood the whole time, but I never saw him. And so me and Jeff, my friend Jeff had a guitar and he's like, you know, I could sing it, I knew all the lyrics to everything. So uh, you know, we wanted to be in a band, but then when we, we, some, and I don't remember exactly how we got to that party, but we did. And then we started talking to those guys and then we decided we're going to do a band. So that Sunday or the next Sunday, we were going to go and start jamming with those guys at Mark Gonson's house in his basement where he had his drum set up. Chris had his amps there. And we left that party and we went to another party with all of our, and these guys lived in like Towson and Parkville, Maryland. Well, oh, except for Mark, he lived around where we did, but he hung out with that side of the town guys um we had our crew our, our friends that we hung out with you know in, in in hamilton where we were from and we went to a party that they were at and we we're like dude we met these guys i mean i got goosebumps right now i'm telling you i mean I I, you cannot see it but i promise you we were, i was like we're gonna be in a fucking band we met this we met this guy we're gonna practice next weekend and i remember I was dating Stacy and I called her up the next day. I was like, you're not going to believe this. It was the biggest thing that could have ever happened in my life. I was so excited. I just was like, it was so great. I can remember. I remember it like it's like, it's like it was yesterday. I remember, I remember we were down by this bar called uh, Freddy's. They called it dead Freddy's. It might've been the name might've been dead Freddy's at the time. And my friend George, he was, he was our age, you know, he's like 18 years old, but he had a big old mustache. So he looked like he was like 22 <laughs> years old and he would go to Dead Freddy's and they'd sell him beer, you know, the statute of limitations is off. You know, nobody, nobody gets in trouble. No, but, but he would, he would go there and he'd bring beer. And I remember 
you know, we went over there and he was dating this girl like that lived across the street from there. And, and we were just like, dude, we're going to be in a band, you know? Was, oh man, it was so great. I couldn't sleep that night. You know, I was just like, well, you know, and I was just so excited. And that was the beginning. That's the beginning of like my musical career, I guess, if you know, you will. We, we got together and we, we, we did the band and we played some shows and whatever. And then I won't get into the rest of what happened you know, with me going to Monstrosity because it's a long story. But uh, yeah, that was my first thing. And, and then, of course, like a year or so later, we played our first show to basically nobody. And I was <laughs> petrified. I will say this, too. I think when we did the, 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 the Corner Trainer demo, I didn't think my voice was as powerful as it should have been. And also when we did Imperial Doom. I'm not happy with those vocals. And everyone tells me they're great, and I've never really listened to that record much since I since you know I did since I did it because I never thought it was up to the par of what I knew I could do, especially the putting it next to the uh, the Horror Infinity demo that we did. But um, so I would probably say maybe a little bit of that skittishness came up there first time in studio. But since yeah. then, it's been like no. Yeah, since then it's been like hell no. The only other, the only times I've ever been skittish about like doing something was we. I sang the Throne Emperor with Triptychon in uh, in um, in London, and you know, times you were invited me the day before, like, hey, come out, you know. And I was like, I told when I went outside, it was the same thing. Because like, look, in my in my first band, Chord Grinder, we used to do a version of the Throne Emperor, and I used to get on the drums, and Mark Gons, the drummer, had a had a he would do backup vocals. And I would sing it and play it. Amazing. I did it one time at this party. I sang the drums and played uh, the Throne Emperor. So I, I was I was relaying this message, this uh, story to to uh, Tom G. Warrior because we shared a bus with Trip to Con for the English shows that we did, uh, the UK shows we did with them. And he was like, "Well, hey, you should come and sing it with us, you know, on stage." And I remember um, Enslaved was on that tour too, and they, those guys were sitting in the back waiting for me to come out, you know, and uh, Paul and Alex and all those guys were. And I was dry heaving in, in, a, uh, in, a, in the trash can because I was so nervous. And, you know, they're like, dude, I remember before the show happened, our, our tour manager slash, uh, slash Sammy and Pete Robertson, he had toured with, uh, I believe he did the Something Frost tour that happened here in the States. And so he knew Tom and I was like, you got to message Tom and tell him I can't do it before the, you know, before. And he's like, he's like, what, why? And I was like, I'm just so, so nervous. You know, Pete, what if I screw it up? You know, and he's like, listen. And Pete always called me Fisher. That's what he just says. Fisher, listen to me. Okay, I can I can message Tom G. Warrior, and you cannot do it. But on the plane ride home, because we only had like three more shows after that. On the plane ride home, you're going to say, God damn it, I wish I would have done that. He's like, you know the song, don't you? I was like, yeah, I've been singing it since <laughs> I ever heard it. Since I, since I heard it, you know? And he's like, okay. So he's like, what, what's the problem? And he's like, you sing in Cannibal Corpse. You played in front of 100,000 people and walking. Yep. Don't worry about it. And I was just like, yeah. But I still was dry heaving because I was just like, okay, if you get me past the first line, see the portal. Once I get past that, I'm good. So we did the song. I thought it was great. And after the show, Tom Schumer was like, hey, man, you didn't do the ooh. In the beginning. In the beginning. And I was like, dude, I was so nervous. I was dry heaving before you called me out here. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, man. I was, and I just said to myself, forget about the oohs and the ahs. Just Focus. sing the first line and it will all <laughs> fall in line. It will all fall in place. And it did. And it worked out great. And But I was nervous about that. I sang um, the band The Crown from Sweden. They Their, their second record, uh, um, Eternal Death. Anyway, they have a song in there, Angels Die. And they used an excerpt from the Final Conflict movie. And they we were playing in L.A. At uh, 
the whiskey. And they're like, you know, I was like, dude, why you guys got to play that song? So like, we'll play it. And then you come out and do the, 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 the speaking part, you know, the, the Antichrist, Damien, you know, that, that whole part. And I was like, all right. And, I, and the way the whiskey is, you know, they have the stairs. That, you know, you walk down, you know, from the, the back, that backstage area right down the stairs. So I was sitting on the, on the one edge of the stairs and the fans are all like, George, George, yelling at me because you can see me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just sitting there waiting for them. And then, you know, they gave me the mic. And I just remember I was super nervous. Like, don't fuck this up. And I'm like, of course I know this. I love that album. You know, I love that album. To me, he is one of the best singers in death metal right now. You know, they just, they put out a new album, I think last year, I believe, you know, and he just is fucking amazing to me. And, and that album is, is great. So I was super nervous and, you know, but I did it and it worked out. It worked out. So I've had a few nervous moments, but only for doing things. You know, I, when I sang at BlizzCon, you know, World of Warcraft, the whole, the whole, uh, the fest and all that, I was nervous before I came out, even though I was doing pretty much singing how I sing and whatnot. But certain things made me nervous. Playing with Cannibal, not a problem, you know, because I, I, we've been, we've been playing for so long, but playing something that is like something like, especially like the Throne Network that I grew up, you know, it made me nervous. It made me nervous. I mean, it made me like, holy shit, man, I can't fuck this up. Man. Tom G. Moore is going to kick me off, put his boot right in my ass and knock me <laughs> off the fucking stage in front of 2,500 people in London. You know? But it all worked out. So I was nervous for the first show. I swore I would never be that way again. I pretty much got out of it. But certain things can bring me back down to that, that, uh, that, that because look, that Celtic Frosty, that brought me back down to being a kid. That just reminded me of all the times jamming at practice, singing the song, getting on the drums and playing it whenever Mark would let me, which was very, not very often. He was like, get off the drums. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's talk about Corpse Grinder. Uh, here we are basically 30 years later and you're releasing a record called Corpse Grinder. Uh, it came out February 25th via Perseverance Music Group. Talk to me about this. Why now? Why after 30 years are you releasing a solo record? Oh, uh, Jamie, just, I, 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 I well, I say, I sang on, uh, Jamie's, uh, uh, solo album. They want your soul. I did that with him. That was me and him, you know, like a duet, I guess, a hardcore death metal duet, which turned out great. And the reaction was amazing. And he put it first on his record, which I was blown away by, you know, Jesse Leach and, you know, all, all the other guys that sings on, sing on that album. And he put me like first, like not saying, yeah, obviously I'm going to say I'm better than it, but I was just like, wow, I mean, I was blown away that he would do that, you know? Um, uh, and it was, the reaction was amazing. Uh, and then just a few months later, he, he messaged me and said, Hey, dude, you want to, let's look, look, I got an idea and I'll do this. We'll do this album together. And it was like, okay. And then he came back and he was like, okay, well, look, I'd like to call it Corpse Grinder. And I was like, well, that was my first band name. And I always thought to myself that maybe one day I would, get with a guitar player or maybe with the advent of technology, you know, like you can all, you can of course program your own drums. Um, but you, but I think there are programs now that you could actually, you know, make your own guitar riffs, you know, and, and whatnot. And so I always thought maybe I would do that and just, you know, never did just whatever, whatever, whatever the reasons, laziness, busy with cannibal family stuff, who knows, never did. And so when he approached me to do this, I was like, all right, perfect. This is great. You know, I'll definitely do it. He wanted, and of course, if I would have done my own thing, where I wrote it all, did everything, and I've never been much of a lyric writer either. Um, if I would have done that, of course, I would have wanted to call it Corpse Grinder because it makes sense. 
And then when he brought it up to me, I was like, well, look, I might still want to do this one day. And he's like, of course, you know, whatever. He, he was like, look, if you, whatever you, if you want to write anything, if you got anything to, to you know, then you can do it. Or we, or uh, me and Charlie will, will do everything. I'll write the lyrics. I'll, I'll arrange the vocals if you want, which is what happened. Um, and I, I recorded the vocals right. I, I believe the vocals were done in 2020. You know, I did, I did it, I did it maybe two, three months after I recorded Violence and Imagine. You know, so so uh, it's been it had been done for a while, but um, he just he said, look, I'll, I'll you know, if you want to write some lyrics, whatever, you're more than welcome to. But but I'll I'll do that if, if need be. And then we'll release it and we'll release it as your solo record. It's Corpse Grinder. And I was like, OK, you know, and then when we got closer to everything, compiling all the, you know, like okay, we got the songs, we're recording the songs with Eric Rutan. And then now we got to think about the cover and all this stuff. And that's when I was like, I got an idea for a cover. This is what I want to do. And that's what's the cover, of course, you know, um, and with a couple of things, you know, of course, Dan Goldsworthy did a great job and, and uh, it was back and forth with me and him and Jamie, you know, just, you know, and I basically said, look, I have this idea. Here's what I think. And what, you know, Dan Goldsworthy put his touch on it, of course, you know, did the cover itself and it turned out great. But the story is just basically Jamie just getting a hold of me, basically just getting a hold of me. And then, <laughs> then everything else fell into place, you know, yeah, he just was like, hey, let's do a record. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Jamie's, you know, Jamie's a good friend of mine, and I, and I knew it would be awesome, and I, I, I think it is. He's a killer songwriter, uh, obviously hate breed. I really enjoyed his D. Snyder collaboration as well, so I knew that when he announced he was teaming up with you, I knew it would be killer. Uh, everything I heard is amazing. Uh, I do want to dig deeper into working with Jamie. You mentioned writing lyrics. Um, organizing patterns. Talk to me how this really goes down. Is he there in the studio with you? Is it like with Cannibal Corpse, they send you whisper tracks? Because I know that they do that. Um, talk to me about how this whole process of you actually working with Jamie and him sending you songs, like a bunch of riffs. I'm, I'm just curious as like a songwriter myself, like uh, how it exactly went down. By the time we, we did the record, uh, the start of the vocals, um, I believe all of the music was already recorded and done. Yeah, that was already, that was already done. And then he was sent. He sent me a bunch of songs. I think there's maybe one or two other songs that we got. Uh, we had totally finished while we were recording. If I remember correctly, I mean I could be wrong about that. Maybe they were. We had them a little bit, you know, before. But I was listening to the other songs. But yeah, he just he wasn't there for the recording you know he you know he's home and but that's the good thing about uh technology is now i can record a song and send it right to you and if you just said hey george do 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 a growl a record okay cool roar send it to you and you go no that's terrible okay <laughs> roar again this one's better and you can just do it instantaneously so absolutely that's what we were we were pretty much doing you know routine and i would shoot for one or two songs a day if, if possible you know usually we would just end up just say let's just do one and then we'd send it to jamie and he'd be like fuck yeah you know it's all good um but in the end i had the final say on anything there were some things we would tweak maybe we have to change this line or this word here or or rearrange how we sing this pattern just small things it's, it's always that way anyway mm -hmm. um on every record i've done pretty much just small tweaks, um, you know, my signatures on it. To me, I always just looked at my voice as the instrument. Okay. And that's what I'd rather focus on. Okay. You know, I, I'd rather, I don't really have, I have my opinions about things in the world and whatnot, but as with Cannibal Corpse, I don't want to sing about politics. I don't want to sing about religion. You're never going to, no, someone's going to, 
take a side, even if they're the biggest fan of yours for the last, for the last 27 years I've you know, been in Cannibal Corpse. If you say something against what they think, people just in this day and age, it seems like people just want to take a side. So even back in the, in, in, when we first, you know, when I'm, you know, I know when Cannibal first started, I know when I, I just, I'm, I, uh, with, with Cannibal, just, it's just not worth touching any of those subjects. I would just write about fantasy stuff and, and, you know, like, you know, pummeling people and shit like that, you know, <laughs> shoving somebody into an acid bat, you know, good stuff like that, you know, um, doesn't, you know, that's, that's what we did. So, like I said, he, he wasn't there, but he was, you know, he's involved, but I had pretty much the, I had pretty much the end say like, okay, this dude, it has to be this way because whatever. And, but there was not like any bickering or anything like that. Jamie knows and trusts what I'm doing, you know, uh, but, you know, and, and, tr- and trust me, I, I think everything, the way it all worked out, the way it came together was just amazing. Hmm. And with Jamie pitching it to you, obviously it's going to go on his new label, Perseverance Music Group. Uh, I am interested about your relationship with Metal Blade. Was there ever a moment in your, in your heart that you, you felt it should have been on Metal Blade? Uh, well, Jamie brought it to me and I, I, I asked Slagle, I asked, I asked Brian Slagle, I said, Hey, you know what, Jamie Johnston wants to do. He was like, yeah, sure. Go for it. You know, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in the way of doing that. It's, it's cool. Um, I'm sure if I would have went to, to Brian and said, we were looking for a label to, to put this out. I, I'm fairly certain Brian would have said, hell yeah. Um, but I think Jamie, you know, he's, he's starting this thing up. He's, he's trying to go full force with it. You know, and I, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I, I I'm I'm totally happy about being a, a part of the beginning of this, and hope hopefully build it up. And you know, he gets more bands, he does more things with more people, you know, not just me, you know, um, which I know I'm, I'm going to assume that he's wanting to do. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think we ever considered it with Metal Blade. I think he always had an, a vision to do it on his on his label and um you know like i said i'm thankful that brian was totally receptive of it and, and okay with it and um yeah it's pretty much it i guess you know as jamie would say high tides raise all ships so exactly. brian, brian so, knows very well that if corpse grinder does well it's going to help cannibal corpse sure yeah man sure of course and, and that's the thing look brian's awesome he's he's just a he's a fan that's you know that's i think the, the one thing that you know he doesn't He's obviously business minded, but he is not he's he's not going to stand in the way of, of certain things. He's not going to, you know, like I said, if I would have come to Brian and said, hey, man, here's this album. What do you think about licensing it or, or putting it out or whatever? You know, um, like I, I went to Brian with the past possession stuff that I did. You know, and I would. And when me and Adam D decided to do a band, of course, Brian, I remember when 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 that when that record went down. Uh, when Adam D asked me in 2009 on the Mayhem tour, he was like, you know, hey, you know, would you be down if I wrote some songs to sing one? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Adam, of course. And then he said, you know, hey, I got Shadow Lucas, you know, and I'll just do the guitars and the bass and then Shadow Lucas and we'll just do this record. And I remember, uh, I believe we were in Tampa. I'm almost certain we were in Tampa and Brian was there. And I told Brian, I said, hey, um, Adam D from Killswitch Engage wants to do a record with me. And uh, Shannon from uh, Metal Blade, and I remember Brian like, well, it's got to be on Metal Blade for that, maybe because two, because because I believe Killswitch was on Roadrunner that time. I they think, were, right? Yeah. Uh, and he was like, two, two, two of my bands, two guys in in, uh, in bands on my label were in that. You know, and he was like, and he laughed. You know, he was just like, dude, you got to give it to me. And I was like, 
I was like, well, well, Adam asked me, he's like, Hey, do you think Brian would release it? You know, amazing. which of course well, they did. And that's the rest of that is history. But yeah, he, he was totally, totally 100%. He was like, yeah, sure. Of course. No problem. I love it. Uh, Corpse grinder touring in the future. Is that something that you think will ever happen? Um, yes, I plan 100% to tour. Amazing. I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let this album just get released and not be able to tour for it. Now, obviously we have some things lined up for cannibal, obviously first being this tour in February, but you know, I have the same management, you know, um, the same booking, you know, uh, agency. So, uh, you know, uh, Nick Storch and Steve Davis are working with me. And of course they work with Cannibal Corpse. So we're going to make sure that nothing conflicts, you know, and that's number one, my priority is Cannibal Corpse, but I definitely plan probably not going to do any headlining because it's only 10 songs on the record. So you can't, you know, a bunch, I'm of charging, covers, you know bunch of covers. Yeah, well, that, that's what people have said. Like that's what was suggested. Maybe do some covers and, you know, and do a Cannibal song. I'm like, I'm not doing a Cannibal Corpse No, no, that wouldn't make sense. Just, no, no. It doesn't make any sense. If this is the solo thing, you know, so. But these songs from your youth that, that you're so connected to. Yeah, but like, yeah, well, if we came up with some covers, there's some, some things we could do, but I'd, I'd rather just go out and, and support some other bands. You know, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I don't have a problem with that. Come on. When you play, look, if, if there's a, I know where you're going with it. If there's like, like a direct support or play, playing uh, <clears throat> second out of four bands. Perfect. It's perfect. We're done. And we get to watch yep. the other two bands. You know? I love it. Not, you don't have all the pressure of just playing you know, yep. more songs. Six songs and you're done. You're gone. Time get to hang beer, out with the know? fans. It's the best. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be like, you know, like I'll just be having a beer and the other guys and, and the other bands are playing and come to the side and be like, you asshole. And I'm like, aha. You know, aha, you're working. I'm not. No, I mean, it, look, look, there are benefits to headlining, of course. But, uh, but I, I just think with 10 songs, we could play six songs, maybe five, you know, depending on the, on the set allotted uh, time, you know, we get to play, but, but uh, definitely I'm, I'm going to tour for this. I'm, I'm not going to let it just, I'm not going to let it come out and not tour for it. It's I've done all these interviews for it where we've, we've, you know, we released a single. We'll actually be on tour with Cannibal Corpse for about a week when the record comes out, the course Garden record comes out. So I'm not going to do all this stuff and, you know, and not do anything for it. I fully intend to at least, at least for now, try to play one tour in the U S one in Europe. And, you know, I mean, of course would come to Canada if things change, you know, there's a lot of restrictions I think right now. So if everything goes better, of course, we'd love to play in at the very least in the U S for now and, and, uh, and uh, Europe, and then hopefully, you know, do another record. And then see what happens with that and then do more. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be juggling because Cannibal Corpse is going to eventually when the world gets back to normal, we're going to be back out full steam. So, but I, I'll, I'll make it happen. I will, I will, I definitely will not uh, just sit on my ass, you know, festivals, hopefully that'd be, that'd be a nice thing to do too. And we'll see. And, and look, and, None of this might matter if people don't like the album. They might come out and go, this thing sucks. <laughs> so, you know, if they do that, then I mean, we can still do tours for it, but they'll just boo me off the stage. Go back to Cannibal, loser. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Fox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. 
that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, you are probably the most uh, coolest death metal dad. I'm a death metal dad. There's a bunch of us out there. But you're probably one of the, it's, you know, portrayed as the best. Um, how do you cope being such an extreme? Obviously, I, I know the answer to this, but I'm interested in your children's perception as to what Cannibal Corpse is, the imagery. Uh, have they read the lyrics? Uh, I know my kids are just starting to read now, so they haven't read my lyrics yet, but they have seen the shirts, they've seen the imagery, and they are interested in it, but I could tell they're a little bit wary, and they call it the monster stuff, but it doesn't really shock them. Uh, I'm curious how that happened with you over the years. Well, my my my, uh, my youngest daughter is 15, and my oldest is 17, so they're they're older now. And, and you know, back in the older, you know, when they were younger, uh, you know, I have like records like behind me, exactly. they got the album exactly. covers on yeah. them. And I just look, I know we raised them right. So they're not going to take that stuff. And, you know, uh, you know, maybe they would have some nightmares about it or something, but, but it was, it wasn't like they were sitting there looking at like each album covers. They kind of never paid it any mind that I'm in this band. It's now that they're in high school that they're, you seeing kids walking around with cannibal corp shirts. They have the first day of school. My daughter's like, Daddy, there's a guy he had uh he had a cannibal corp shirt on. I was like, What? And it was a I think it was a butchered bird shirt. I'm like, and they didn't kick him out. You know, like, Amazing. They didn't send him home. You know? Um and then I think he had logo shirts. And so, you know, they were just I was like, I told you. I told you, you I'm a real thing. I'm a real thing. Well, no, but I, I just meant high schools, there's gonna be, you know, like Middle school, maybe not so much, you know, like, you know, parents are going to be wary of their kids wearing, you know, butchered at birth shirts, you know, but once you get into high school, you're, you're young, you're, you're pretty much a young adult and, you know, teenagers and then next thing you know, you're an adult. And so I knew there were going to be kids there. Now, it's funny that my daughter said that because probably a week or two, well, it could, could have been, might've been a little bit later than that. Maybe, maybe, maybe a month or so later. I'm at a show. I went and saw Dying Fetus. Yeah, they play down here in Tampa. And this kid comes up to me and says, hey, I go to school with your daughters. And I'm like, you're the kid, you know? And, and, and he's like, what? And I was like, hey, I got to take a picture with you. So I took a, picture, a selfie with him and sent it to my daughter and said, that's hey, here's so the kid cool. that, that, that's in your class, you know? And and, and, uh, and he was like, yeah, I saw your daughters. And at first, this other kid was said something to them about, it was wearing a cannibal corpse shirt and my daughter I told her, I said, just say, hey, nice shirt to him. Mm -hmm. And then they'll probably just say, do you like Cannibal Corpse? And then just say, it's my dad, you know, like just because, you know, just icebreaker. Maybe you'll, you'll get more friends. You don't know, trust me. Your metalhead friends are going to be the best friends you'll ever have. Promise you. I know this. Um, and I guess there was a kid there and she said it too. And uh, she was like, uh, he was like, oh, you liked him? He's like, she's like, the singer is my father. And he's like, no way. And she <laughs> pulled her mask down and he's like, I see you on his Instagram. 
you're, you, you, oh, you're not lying. And she's like, no, I'm not. You know, it's my dad. And he was like, that's fucking so cool, you know. So, and of course, my daughters were like, and he used, you know, longhorn language. They call it longhorn language when somebody curses, you know. Okay. Because what they were, what those John, John Long Middle School longhorns. So okay. Okay. they call it longhorn language because a lot of kids, they're always cussing. And trust me, I've let some words slip over the course of being a dad sometimes it happens but uh in general they've heard most of the, the foul language at school and they, you know uh she's like yeah he used long word language you know like to he said he said that's long word language cool <laughs> and i was like well you know hey um i was like i told you there's going to be kids there that are their fans so and you know they're they're not like i wouldn't they're not fans of it like they know it if it's like most of the times i'll play stuff and i go you know who this is and like it's you and they probably know it now, like just my voice now. But back in the day, my youngest daughter, uh, Shemaya, when she was like one, two years old, you put a kid in the car, they fall right asleep. Not her. She hated being buckled in. She would scream and yell and kick. And I would say, she's like, play some music. I don't care. And I was like, what do you want to play? She's like, play some metal. Maybe she'll, you know, because we would just be driving the road. And I would play us. Nope. Play, you know, anything else. Nope. One one day, I just played uh, "Bleeding the False" by Aeon, and she was like, ah. <laughs> "And then if we got in the car, if I if I played anything else, nope, she would go crazy." Bleeding the False, no problem. I told Tommy Dahlstrom that. I told him he's like, "Oh, my, your doctor loves me better than you." <laughs> you know, I was like, "You asshole!" But uh, yeah, they but 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 in general, now as they're older, you know, they they listen to different music. They know. They know uh, Dog Guts by Macabre. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They love that song just because of the lyrics. You know, Jeffrey Blue with Dog Guts, you know. You know, they love, they love, uh, they love that song. They love the roadkill part of, you know. Jeffrey like to play a roadkill, roadkill. Jeffrey like to play with Dog Guts. They love all that. They know, they, they love that song for whatever reason. They know No Presents for Christmas. And they know uh, uh, Halloween by King Diamond. Mm-hmm. Those are like, those are the metal holiday songs. I got that, those. Uh, I will play. I got those on my playlist. I will too. play the Halloween by the Misfits too, but they know that last day, like they, the King Diamond version they like, but uh, my daughter plays a, a, a music simulator game. Um, there's a game called Roblox and they have this music simulator called uh, Road Beats, I think it's called. And they had, a, at one time they had a couple of Dragon Force songs and she would play that to them. You know, and I was like, well, man, you know, my, my friend Freddie used to be in Dragon Force, you know, and uh, so uh, she's like, really? You know, and, and uh, I was like, yes, yeah, see, you, you know, you, you, I don't think she was playing it then. But other than that, metal wise, not really, not really any bands that I can think of that they really like listen to, like as a band that they want, you know, like that they're a fan of. You know, my daughter, Abby, is into like Japanese Vocaloids and she likes uh, 21 Pilots, I believe. You know, she likes them a lot. I think Maya listens to them and Maya listens to, listens to, you know, they listen to a bunch of other stuff, but a lot of it's not, not like metal, which is fine. I, 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 would, I never would pressure them into listening. Like I said, I would play stuff in the car sometimes and they just be like you know like abby like anytime i play metal she's like oh let's listen to some evil music <laughs> she calls it evil music you know she just laughs about it she's old enough now it's not like if she was a kid when she said it, it's funny but now it's, it's funny for a different reason you know she's just like she's like, i just i just say abby just say evil music playing yeah i play merciful fade or something you're just like, yeah, evil music um but they're not like fans and again i would just never would 
I wouldn't push it on them. I, I, I wanted them to listen to what they wanted to listen to. Um, whatever they, whatever was in their mind, I would play music. If they took a liking to metal and became, you know, metalheads like their dad, that would have been great. If not, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to make them uh, grow up and be whatever. You, know, you have to be a death row singer for your career. <laughs> you know, you got to be a doctor. You got to be a lawyer. No, I, I just I want them to choose their own path. And I'm glad where they're where they're headed. And I'm, I'm happy that uh, that they just listen to what they want to listen to. But, you know, do I wish they were metalheads? Yeah, it'd be cool. But, yeah, I'd still be the dorky dad no matter what. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm still going to be this, you know. I mean, they do think it's funny, though, when we go to the mall. And we, there's a hot topic there, and, and those, the girls that work there are so sweet and so great, and they're always so kind to us and to my daughters and whatnot. And um, when we go to the mall, there's just the other day we went to this. There's a Panera bread, by it's part of the mall, and we went in there and ate. And then I was leaving, and some girl stops me and goes, "Can I take a picture with you? I love Cannibal Corpse." And she did not look anything like a metalhead. She, you know, like the standard. You know, black shirt, slider shirt, whatever. No, nothing like that. She just, she just looked like a girl in, in in high school or middle school. And you know, I was like, of course, you know, no problem, you know. And my daughters are just like, you know, yeah, daddy gets recognized everywhere. <laughs> and it's, and, and I think they, they get a kick out of it, but they're not like, well, they're, mm. I'm just dad to them, you know. Absolutely. And I have all the bad dad jokes and all the other things that every you know other dad has, you know, and they just look at me like. You know, I tell some dumb bad dad, dad joke and they're like. <laughs> George, one one last question. I don't think I asked it last time and I am curious this time. Uh, it probably doesn't happen to you very often anymore because you are uh, cutting back, only drinking on the weekends, uh, but every once in a while it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Oh, um, well, now, in, in the past few years, I've been like, well, not cut down, but increased like drinking water in between beers and stuff, you know, it's really good because I think that's one of the reasons, you know, you just get dehydrated, you're, you know, you just get these headaches. Um, but the hangover cure, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a drink called body armor. Um, body armor light are the ones I, I drink and they, they're, they're just a hydration kind of drink, you know, almost like a Gatorade. Um, I think they're a lot less sugary. Um, I, I'll, I'll drink those. And just try to drink a lot of water. And it just sucks if you drink too much the night before your stomach just, just like does not want to take the water. It, it, it just, it makes you feel worse almost, you know, you're, you know, um, mostly it's the headaches that get me, the, you know, like, you know, this, and, and the, just the feeling of dehydration. That's why, like I, you know, if, if I'm doing shots of whiskey with, with, with Johnny Nobbs on the bus, listening to Waylon Jennings, I'll chase it with water. So I'm just, it's, it's kind of hydrating as, as well as, you know, drinking, you know, getting a little uh, uh, dehydrated. And then I try to drink, you know, especially when I'm here at home, I try to drink like a water every two beers or something. Just, you know, and I never used to do that. And I used to mess with people like, dude, you, you whip, what are you doing? Drink beer, you know? <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm trying to stay hydrated. And those are the guys that didn't have the hangovers and George would be up the next day like, oh, man. <laughs> so I don't think there's, I've seen a lot of different, like, cures for hangovers and people of course everyone has advice everyone's a doctor when it comes to a hangover oh man eat pig guts there it's great you know like you know you know drink drink rat blood it's gonna cure you you know and it's like none of that stuff ever works i mean obviously but you know i've seen some some remedies for for hangovers and things but i don't know if there's any one thing that's gonna 
just drink more water. Keep yourself hydrated, I think, is the best way to do it. And, and then just don't overdo it. Don't be stupid. Don't be like me and drink three extra beers after you were, you know, like I, I've been sitting here at three in the morning and I wake up. I'm like, oh, shit, it's like 430. And I'm like, oh, I had an hour and a half nap. And I start drinking another beer. And next thing you know, it's seven. And it's like, dude, you idiots. You just woke up. Go to bed. You You passed out. Good job. Go to bed. Tonight is over. It, but, but George, listen, if George doesn't, George doesn't listen to anybody anyway, but he damn sure <laughs> won't even listen to himself. So that's the one thing I've been trying to work on. Amazing. George, thank you so, so much for taking the time hanging out with me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer. An absolute pleasure, an absolute honor. Everyone, go check out Corpse Grinder, brand new album. It's ripping, and it's going to be insane. George, thank you so, so much. Massive cheers. Awesome. Thanks, man. Take care. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, do I ever love hanging out with George. I could just sit there and listen to him talk forever. But as all good things, things have to come to an end. And this episode did come to an end. And uh, that's a good thing because it leaves us wanting more. So I'm very stoked to hang out with George again to continue this conversation because I absolutely love hanging out with him. I hope you've been enjoying that brand new Corpse Grinder album as much as I have been. The riffs are there. It's catchy as hell, and it is super damn fun. Go check out the brand new Corpse Grinder record. You will not be disappointed. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive two emails a month containing all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I have dropped. You'll get to see if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast. You will get to hear about all my very cool new projects that I have in the works. Before I announce them to the public, you'll get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. And you'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Vox and Hops Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I'd hate for you to miss a single thing, so sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I will be hanging out at a live Thirsty Thursday virtual hang this coming Thursday with none other than Sebastian the Vox and Hops alumni and the leader of the Monster Factory, and he's also the vocalist of Necrotic Mutation. It's going to be a killer, killer hang. And if you would like the link to come and join that Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang, well, you can find that on the Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang Gang Facebook group, which is in the description of this podcast. I hope you have a glorious weekend. I'll be back next week with two episodes. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, 
Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.